0: This is Cliff Mass, and welcome to my weather podcast. Each week I talk about current weather, provide a forecast for the weekend and beyond, and give you more details about an interesting weather phenomena. It's July 2nd, and let's talk about the forecast. In many ways, the forecast is gonna be pretty boring over the next uh, five to seven days. Here in Western Washington, every day will be pretty much the same. No rain, highs in the lower 80s away from the water. There'll be low clouds many mornings, but it'll burn off quickly. Why the same each day? Well, the key pieces of the meteorological puzzle will be in place and not changing. First, there's high pressure offshore, the East Pacific high, which is very typical this time of the year. On the other hand, there'll be persistent low pressure in the warm interior of the continent on the other side of the Cascades. And these warm temperatures cause the air to become less dense, less dense air results in less pressure. So low pressure in the interior, high pressure offshore, and that will result in a gentle push of mild marine air into the western interiors of Oregon and Washington, so that's what it's going to keep us pretty temperate. There's not going to be any periods of strong offshore flow that will cause us to zoom into the 90s or even higher. Now eastern Washington will be warm, don't get me wrong, highs each day around 100 degrees, so they'll be above normal, and in fact the National Weather Service has an excessive heat warning out there. Now what about wildfires? The region east of the Cascade Crest is now drier than normal, with the warmth and dry conditions resulting in the surface fuels like dead grass and range vegetation being quite dry. In fact, as dry as late July. So we're way ahead, weeks ahead of the drying process east of the Cascade Crest. So the potential for fire is there. All you need is to have an initiation of the fire and strong winds to make it spread rapidly. There are now two wildfires burning over the northeast slopes of the Oregon Cascades. They're not producing much smoke, but they are burning. But there are massive fires in Northern California with smoke moving into Eastern Oregon and Washington right now. I could see it on the visible satellite picture this morning. And as everyone knows, there are several fires in British Columbia, including the Linton Fire, which is a terrible fire that destroyed the town. Now, with fires north and south of Washington, it is inevitable that higher elevation smoke will intrude onto Washington state. You can bet on that. It's already happening. But generally, that smoke will not reach the surface. It'll stay aloft. Now, it generally takes local fires to degrade near-surface air quality. So with onshore flow during the next week at low levels, and uh, the, the cascades preventing any smoke from eastern Washington coming to the, towards the west. And with most of the smoke being aloft, I think western Oregon and Washington should maintain good air quality for the next week. Now, the latest forecast by the weather models suggests that some weak disturbances will be moving across British Columbia over the next few days to a week. And that should bring some light showers. Now, that's good. But the negative is that with these weak disturbances coming through, there's potential for thunderstorms in British Columbia that could produce new fires. So we'll have to watch that carefully. Finally, the warm temperatures that we've experienced this week have resulted in enhanced snowmelt, which has resulted in a surge of water into many of our rivers. In fact, if you look at the hydrographs, the water variation in a number of our rivers, you'll see that they're varying each day up and down, rising after the warmth of the day and then dropping after the cool of the night. So the, the rivers are going up and down. They, some of them went relatively high, no real flooding, and they're starting to recede now, okay? Now, the long-term result of the rapid melt is not good. It leaves less water for later in the summer, Fortunately, we do have some reservoirs which are capturing the water, like the Yakima Reservoirs, and so those are increasing as the water melts. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the forecast, and my special segment will be talking about global warming and the recent heat wave. Thanks for listening. Weather doesn't end with the forecast. Now let's talk about the special weather topic of the week. The media is abuzz with claims that global warming is the main cause of the extreme heat that we experienced here over the Northwest last week. And these claims are being joined and supported by activists, including some activist scientists. But the science and the facts are clear. Although global warming made a small contribution to our severe warmth, the predominant cause is not global warming, but rather what we call natural variability of the atmosphere. Even without global warming, our region still would have experienced a severe heat wave event. Just to give you a little bit of perspective here during the heat wave that we just went through, many locations here in the Northwest were 30 to 40 degrees above normal. They're high temperatures hit records that were extraordinary and unequaled. Now our region has warmed up one to two degrees Fahrenheit during the past century. That's clear. But even assuming that all of this warming is human caused by increasing greenhouse uh, gas concentrations in the atmosphere, our contribution to the heat wave would still be quite small one to two degrees Fahrenheit contribution for global warming, but the heat wave was 30 to 40 degrees. But the evidence against a human cause of the heat wave is really very, very strong. Now, one thing is clear. If progressive, over time, human-caused global warming was the cause of the heat wave, then we would expect A trend to more extreme heat waves over time, that we'd see more and more extreme temperature records over time. But that is not, and I repeat, not what is being observed. If one plots up the number of stations recording high temperatures over Oregon and Washington over the past century, this plot is flat There is no increasing trend of extreme temperatures over our region. I mean, I can't stress that enough. And this group has been, this result has been found by a number of groups doing the analysis independently, including the U.S. government. These findings alone are fatal to the global warming origin claims of some for the heat wave. Now, as I have described in my blog, the heat wave that we experienced and virtually every heat wave we get around here is associated with a strong and persistent area of high pressure over our region, generally uh, centered just north of Washington state. Um, There's a name for this that the media has kind of honed in on and that's the heat dome. Well, the basic idea is high pressure with sinking air, with compressional warming underneath, it gets warmer and warmer, and that warm temperature is called the heat dome. Okay, now, might the high-pressure area that we, we saw, could that be increasing in strength due to global warming? The answer is clearly no. This is something I know about. I've done a lot of research on this topic, And this is research that's published in the peer-reviewed literature. For example, I did a a paper with Matt Brewer, who got his PhD in my department a few years ago, on exactly this topic. And we examined global climate models driven by increasing CO2. We looked at the strength of high-pressure regions over our area. And in fact, the high-pressure areas became less intense due to global warming, not more intense. And just yesterday, I did a new analysis looking at the historical amplitudes of high pressure of our region during the past 70 years based on observations. And looking at that, it was evident that there was no increasing trend in the strength of high pressure areas. So this supposed mechanism is basically busted. High pressure areas are not increasing as we warm up. Now, some other people, some other groups, some in the media have claimed that dry conditions, drought conditions this spring contributed to the development of high pressure areas. Now to examine this claim, UW graduate student Robert Conrick re-ran the highly skillful forecast model we use called WARF. We re-ran it with a very moistened surface, usually moistened surface. So we started with the dry conditions we have now and made it three times moisture and the soil's three times moisture. okay What happened to the high pressure area aloft? It was unchanged. So this theory that uh, drought or dry conditions increase the high pressure area is basically busted. The extreme high temperatures we experienced this week, the heat wave, originated in natural variability. The atmospheric ingredients can come together in a random way to to create extremes. We might call this a black swan event. You can think of the atmosphere as a collection of dice, and sometimes they they all come up sixes. And it happened in this case. Global warming made this event a bit more severe. Some places it reached 110 might have been only 108 without global warming but a severe heat wave event would have happened anyway. And claims that this event was mainly due to global warming or predominantly due or whatever term you want to use, such claims that global warming was the essential cause of this heat wave, these claims are both deceptive and in contradiction to observations and the best peer reviewed science. The politicization of science is a very disturbing trend. And those trying to use this event to further their own political or other agendas are hurting both science and society. I plan to blog about this issue in more detail, so that's going to be coming up very quickly. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to my podcast feel free to send me your questions or any topics you would like me to cover. This podcast will be available every Friday morning on my blog and major podcast platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to use the Patreon link on my blog. See you next time.